We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz presented by OTGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me as always, my Australian friend, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Oh, thank God, Nick. We had a win. Oh, my God. I can't, I've aged so many years in the space of like 10 games with this Nets squad, but feels good to be a winner again. Yeah, if you guys couldn't tell, we were striking until the Nets won. We weren't recording <laughs> until they uh, snapped that eight-game losing streak. But like you said, Jack, 104-87. It was a little bit gift-wrapped. You know, the Bulls sat Zach Levine and Robin Lopez, but we'll take a win up to number 20. It feels good to be there because we were so close to that number for eight games and then just not to win one. So, But what was your reaction of winning that game? Uh, it was mainly relief, Nick. I mean, I think Spencer did when he posted on his Facebook page. I think he said posted about time on his Twitter, sorry. <laughs> I think that's what I saw earlier in the day going through my tweets, going through like what I missed and stuff. Obviously, the time zone difference. Uh, I may be mistaken. Maybe it was he missed a Dragon Ball Z episode that he, he wanted to see. I'm not sure. It might have been <laughs> something else. Um, but I'm going to interpret it in a way that I, I see fit. But uh, I think, yeah, there was uh, there was an element of relief, not only from us, because we want to get back and give you listeners you know, a dope pod to, to check. But at the same time, it was just nice to get play some decent basketball, albeit against a squad that is in you know ultimate tank mode. But it was how we played, how we executed that we've sort of harped on in the past that we've been lacked. And, you know, we just did the job. We got we got the job done. We got the W, which is what we've been craving. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the only real blemish of that game was the second quarter. You know, there wasn't a ton of bad things the Nets did. And the other quarters, they played pretty well. And you could feel the relief and you could feel the energy being brought back having Rondé and Karis LeVert back in the lineup. You know, they only played 21 minutes each, but having them out there, it just kind of boosted the team morale. Like, they're two guys that play an important role in the team, and then being out so long, I think, kind of had an impact on everybody. Also, the ball movement was great. 31 assists on 40 made field goals. Huge. I mean, it, I mean, it shows we we had a chat before the pod, the fact that D'Lo and, and Dinwiddie, you know, weren't, you know, didn't neither of them scored over 10 points um more than 10 points but the fact that they were they were penetrating and kicking out to guys like alan crab joe harris 
Um, Jared Allen had himself a night as well. I'm sure we'll make sure we chat about that. We won't, we won't forget that. Don't worry about that. The throat was in the building. But yeah, just to be able to get that penetration and, and even a Karis LeVert, uh, Ronnie Hollis-Jefferson, these guys that can get into the lane, um, normally that's when we look our best because then it opens up the floor. Those 31 assists are due to, um, I always like to say, I mean, Nick's always about the pace and space. I'm not sure if I've said this enough time in the podcast, but the ball moves faster when it's moving around than when you're dribbling on the floor. It's a lot harder to defend a moving ball than it is to a stationary ball, a guy who's dribbling like a James Harden doing ISO. So that's when the Nets look their best because that's when, you know, collectively as a unit, all the talent sort of rises. You know, D'Lo's an okay ISO player. Dinwiddie's an okay ISO player. But, you know, against a, a team like the Chicago Bulls, you can probably get away with it. But at the same time, to get a 17-point win, near 20-point win, have a, a relatively consistent performance across the board, um, that was the main thing. Yeah, and you mentioned the ball movement. I thought it's great. I, I felt like the chemistry between Dinwiddie and D'Lo started to improve a little bit more as well. And then, like you said, having Levert back and another playmaker, he had a couple, I think, four assists. And Rondé, to an extent, is a pretty good passer. He's also did a good job driving to the rim, creating some p- plays that way. So that was exciting to see that. Let's talk to Jared Allen. Let's talk to Jared Allen. You brought it up. He uh, he might have destroyed Laurie Marketing's heart last night and just dunked on him. And it was unexpected. I mean, he's thrown down some monster dunks, but nothing like that all season. It was um, <laughs> it was literally the, I opened Twitter as I wake up this morning. I, I walk into work, open up Twitter. First tweet I see Nick Faye, and <laughs> it was the Jared Allen dunk. And I. I I don't know. When's the funeral for Laurie Markin and Nick? I, I'm wondering if we'll get an invite as Nets fans because it was absolutely monstrous. I think Jared Allen made a comment in the fact that like he tried to jump over him and he had to jump so high. Like Laurie Markin is like 6'11", 7 foot. Like he's no slouch. And he's been an absolutely great rookie um, by his standards as well. So it was, was kind of nice to sort of see that um, happening against sort of, you know, a fellow competitor and, you know, put up just a, a really awesome stat line and just... His ability in the pick and roll has gone, you know, leaps and bounds. And I think, you know, he probably liked having his bro, Karis LeVert, out there, sort of like his, his running mate, so to speak. But one of the better games, and I think, you know, feeling keeps going higher and higher after each game. But the fact that he's starting now, I think the development we've seen from him and the coaching we've seen of him from Coach Kenny has been really measured and, and really intelligent. And I think that's being reflective of, you know, Jared Allen's performances. Yeah, you can see the improvement. It's like the small details he's picking on, the passing as a roller, just the small things, finding the space, you know, knowing that maybe sometimes he won't be able to dunk it like he had a play last night where he just tipped the ball in. So it's just like you can see the impact when Jared Allen's out there compared to any other Nets big. Like he's playing that much better than them, and the impact he has above the rim in terms of the pick and roll is huge. And it's also nice to just see the Nets get some hype and Jared Allen get some hype because he's not that much, uh, he hasn't been talked about very much as a rookie, but obviously we knows he, know he's been great. So seeing him get highlights all across the NBA was a nice feeling. Yes, in Worldwide Wild, the NBA stats pages, all these guys filming. Might I add, I'm pretty sure that Nick was probably the first on it, guys. He, <laughs> he went viral before everyone else. Make sure you're following him at OTG Nick. Um, but uh, it was just an awesome moment. I mean, the Nets uh, have been having their moments this year with Spencer Dinwiddie sort of breaking out. Dealers had his moments occasionally. But it seems like despite the fact that, you know, we're still one of those lackluster teams, probably going to be a top five, top eight pick. We have equaled also last night uh, our 20th win, so equaled our, um, our, t- our tally last season. So that was a nice moment as well. 
with with um, a bit a little over 20 games to go hopefully we can wear fingers and toes crossed for that 30 win mark but anywhere near there would be nice but um you know with all these other teams tanking like we saw with the bulls the nets uh have everything to play for and i think the development is going to be a huge indicator but you know good to see that 20th win and good to see some good form for our youngsters yeah and it's nice to have everybody back and healthy and kind of hitting their stride you know getting ronde lavert they can kind of get a better feel of what to expect next season with certain guys seeing them play right now. So instead of having, you know, Dilo who missed a big chunk of time, then Rondé and Laverta out for a little bit, like having everybody out there feels pretty nice. Uh, also, your guy Joe Harris had another sneaky nice game. What did you think about uh, Quincy AC only playing nine minutes? I think it's indicative of where the coaching is going, Nick. I, I, I think Coach Kenny is sort of experimenting a little bit. Um, you know, we've seen less minutes from guys like AC and Okafor at, at times. Dante Cunningham has been a really nice piece for us, you know, despite the fact that um, we mentioned him uh, in the trade deadline pod and we, we thought like he, he would be a nice sort of piece going forward in terms of you know, leadership presence, just a, a sort of veteran guy. I think he had nine rebounds last night. Uh, so in terms of his play, I think he sort of forced those minutes out of AC's hands. And I think both of us are very happy about that, that's for sure. Um, and he's a guy who can certainly make a three. Quincy AC can as well. We've seen that before. But I think Dante Cunningham just has that little more of a level head. Um, and, and I'm, you know, sharing, splitting the minutes between him and AC. You know, if you see some nice minutes from Dante Cunningham, you know, ride the wave. If Quincy AC starts hitting the three, ride the wave. I think it's going to be about matchups. And I, and I like the, the fact that Coach Kenny isn't, you know, just throwing minutes away with a guy like AC. He mentioned earlier in the season that he provides spacing. But now we have an extra guy in Dante Cunningham. It's good to have that depth, albeit it's still, you know, uh, relative to the to the talent we have. But um, it, it certainly helps. Yeah, and I think you made a great point. Uh, Cunningham does a little bit uh, better job doing the small things, especially rebounding. He just seems more tenacious on the boards. But, you know, defensively, sometimes passing-wise, and like you said, the level-headed thing. Like, AC does some things that just make you scratch your head sometimes. You don't really see that as much from Cunningham. He kind of knows his role. So I'll see what happens with that. Uh, I kind of referenced this early, earlier in the pod. How bad are the Bulls? Like, no Zach Levine, no Lopez. Like, how bad would have been if the Nets had lost this game? Oh, man, Nick, I don't know if I would have been able to go to work this morning. I wouldn't have been able to get out of bed. My girlfriend's at home sick. It's been snowing over here in London. I don't know if I would have been able to get out of bed without the Nets getting a win. It's the only thing that got me up this morning. It's bloody cold over here in London. Um, but it's, it's. I mean, it was almost fait accompli. I chatted to you um, just before the pod, and I, and I was relelatively comfortable with it. You know, despite the fact that I, in this sort of losing streak, you know, we haven't kept the teams, you know, over 100. Um, you know, our defense has been really lackluster. I think a lot of the guys made the point of, you know, we got some stops and they'll ask to get into transition. You know, to keep the team, the Bulls, you know, who obviously don't have a huge offensive firepower, um, they, funnily enough, despite their tankathon, they have a better record than us by one loss. They're, they're 20 and 40, we're 20 and 41. And um, we're heading into Cleveland, obviously, as well. So that's going to be a tough matchup. But, you know, it, I think I was relatively confident. It would have been, you know, almost drastic and dreadful if we hadn't have won it. But um, as uh, I'll go to my boy Spencer Dinwiddie, about time. Yeah, it was about time. I mean, the Bulls definitely helped us out. They shot 6 of 23 from three-point line and 35% from the field. So definitely a rough night. And they have some rough shooters out there. But like you said, we needed to win. And the Nets are a weird uh, young team that I think even wins over bad teams kind of help them build momentum. So hopefully it kind of could help them tonight against Cleveland. Random fact, it is my birthday tomorrow, and the Nets seemingly do amazing on February 26th to like March 2nd, March 2nd, no matter how bad the team has been. I'm going to have to look up the stat later, but I feel a little bit more confident against Cleveland than I would rationally just because it's my birthday tomorrow, Jack. 
Well, Nick, I think it's only right that they give you a win. I think, you know, if they were to go out there given an insipid performance, then I feel like we'd have to cancel the buzz. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, if we're going to be going rain, hail, or shine. But uh, make sure you guys get out and, you know, uh, make sure you give OTG Nick some love on Twitter. Um, the man does an amazing job, not only in these Nets broadcasting, but for OTG basketball. But, yeah, I think there's a there's certainly a chance for us. You know, we had that win against him early in the season. Um, I think Cleveland are going to be pretty hyped about the fact that you know they've had a, uh, a couple of losses that they probably wouldn't have wanted. The refs are going to be watching them. I think we're going to have a rough refereeing performance after LeBron's come out and said uh, all he's had to say. For those that don't know, obviously, you can just check out Twitter, check out ESPN, and OTG Basketball. But um, I, I think the Nets are going to be uh, on the rough end of the stick in terms of when it comes to the free throws and, and the fouls. But um, hopefully we can just play some you know decent defense, um, You know, give a decent performance. I'm not expecting a win. Um, but uh, I hope that we can at least give a good performance for Nick uh, on his birthday. Yeah, that's exactly. I don't need anything crazy. I just need a good performance down to the end. Maybe we can get lucky, game win or something like that. But I think you hinted at something. The Nets need more free throws and more drives. Like you, you mentioned LeBron thing, but I think last night in Chicago and then just earlier in February this month, like they have not been driving as much, been shooting a ton of threes, and I think you just need to attack the rim sometimes. Even if you're not necessarily getting a you know wide-open layup, a contested layup sometimes is better than an open three. Yeah, we only had eight free throws last time. We made all of them. Obviously, that's uh, that's nice. But I think getting RHJ back, um, I, I think I mentioned earlier in the season that he was, you know, top five in terms of and one plays. I think getting him back, you know, he mentioned that he was um, he was rusty. I think that was the key word that he said. But, you know, the rust always comes out after a game or two. I think RHJ is going to be important. Uh, he'll probably match up against LeBron in, in some sets. So we can't expect the world of him against, you know, a world beater, an absolute goliath in in lebron james but it'll be hopefully we can continue that sort of um the trend upward you know not settling for jumpers you know penetrating we may not have got to the line but we certainly uh was able to create it um you know easier looks through that penetration you know spencer did what he, i think it was a couple of games ago had like was horrible from the field but he was able to get you know 10 to 12 points by going to the line and, and it made him look a lot more effective uh, in the box score I think that's going to be key for us, you know, get some fouls, you know, whether it's get some, get some foul trouble into guys like Larry Nance Jr., Tristan Thompson, um, you know, get their bigs into trouble. They don't, then certainly not when the Nets struggle against, you know, quality bigs, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't really have the, you know, uh, a car in the towns. They don't have a really decent shot blocker. They don't have a Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid. So the Nets will have an opportunity to sort of, you know, push the point in that sense. I think you make a good point about it, Nick. And those, that, that sort of in and out game is what helps the Nets look really good. And when you've got a guy like Jared Allen in the form that he's in, hopefully he has a nice performance as well, can uh, put up a nice show. But, you know, uh, I'm hoping, yeah, maybe for a late buzzer beater win, sort of uh, <laughs> emblematic of the, the the last the last one we had against Cleveland Spencer Dinwiddie. It'd be nice to see D'Lo get one of those moments, you know. Um, I think a lot of guys have been low-key hating on him, but, you know, I think he's building to some nice things and hopefully Levert and RHJ can provide some nice minutes too, but fingers and toes crossed, as I mentioned earlier. I also think, you know, other than the drives and the free throws, I think one thing I'd like to see in the Nets, you know, tonight as well as moving on forward is, you know, more tenacious defense, you know, more forcing turnovers. The Bulls only had 13, turn 13 turnovers, which isn't, you know, great or bad, but I think against a team like that that just lacks so many veterans, you should be able to kind of force the ball more, get some more easy transition buckets especially for a team that struggles on offense sometimes yeah and i think you know getting the points off turnovers we mentioned you know getting stops you know it's it's, it's easy to say against a team that you know lack probably two of their best offensive players in zach levine and robin lopez you know it's not going to be hard to defend justin holiday and chris dunn 
Um, yeah. no, no shade thrown. Chris Dunn's had a great season, but you know it's going to pale in comparison to guys like George Hill, Rodney Hood, uh, Jordan Clarkson's a decent player. He's been in some nice form. You know, J.R. Smith, LeBron and James. These guys are going to provide a, a lot more uh, competition in, in that regard. So we're certainly going to have to be on our game uh, and engage defensively on that end to get some easy looks at in transition because that's when we look, be- look best when we're going downhill. Um, you know, we can't slow the pace to a sort of, you know, I mean, Cleveland has sort of increased their pace with their new young guys. But if we're going to get into a shootout with them, they certainly have much more talent on the perimeter than we do. So we can't, uh, we've got to remain engaged and remain locked in. Yeah, for sure. Last question before we get out of here, Jack. Uh, Jalil Okafor hasn't really been playing much of all lately. What are your thoughts on that? And what do you think his future is with the Nets the rest of the season and potentially after? I'm, I, I, I was thinking of this question when I was listening to, I, I can't remember if it was Dunked On or, or another pod, Nick, where someone was mentioning Jalil Okafor and w- what his place in, is, is in today's NBA and going forward. Um, I think it was Danny LaRue mentioned the fact that he sees him as a piece because, you know, whether it's on a minimum contract, a guy who could just, you know, fill out the roster as a 10-11th guy, he's got a spot somewhere. Um, whether it's on the nets, it's going to be interesting because Jared Allen's rise and um, meteoric rise um, has been, you know, unheard of. We certainly didn't expect it from him. Uh, Jalil Okafor is sort of, you know, where does he fit in terms of, we, got, we have Timothy Mozgov on the books for the next couple of years. Um, RHJ as a sort of small ball. You know, we don't re- really have, he doesn't the fit inside uh, right now in terms of our squad. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, is he healthy? We don't really know the inside scoop in terms of what's happening at the Nets. You know, Sean Marks and Coach Kenny are, are generally quite tight-lipped. You know, those on-off numbers are, are pretty bad. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the last 20 games what he actually does and whether he actually has an impact. Um, I certainly don't – if I'm putting a percentage on it, uh, I'm leaning 50-50 if he's on the Nets next, next year. What do you think? Honestly, like you, I, I mentioned to you even before Okafor was straight, I always questioned his fit in the Nets system. You know, there was always talk about Brooke Lopez and his fit in Kenny's system last year. He added the three-point shot. Okafor hasn't done anything like that. And in terms of what Allen does in terms of internal spacing, you know, spacing in the paint, getting above the rim, don't see that from Okafor. He's just slow. You know, he slows down the offense a lot. He needs those ISO touches, which slows down the ball movement, which we saw last night in Chicago and other games this season, <clears throat> excuse me, was the best thing that could happen to the Nets is when the ball is moving, kicking around the perimeter, you know, catching alley-oops for Allen or something like that. I don't think Okafor really has a fit in this system, so I would not be surprised at all if they don't keep him this year. I just yeah, – it just, just hasn't really worked out. You know, it's no offense to him. I mean, we've all seen the plus-minus numbers, and I'm not completely bought into advanced stats on every single thing, but the fact is defensively you can still see all of his flaws. You know, Jared yeah. Allen's impact defensively is completely different. I think what the Nets will probably do is get somebody to kind of replicate what Jared Allen does as a backup maybe or another young guy that does something similar where they attack the rim – or attack the rebounds or something like that. And Okafor just doesn't really fill that role. Like the Nets don't need an ISO post score like Okafor. And like you said, I think he'll find a role in the NBA. I just don't think it's in the Nets system. No, uh, and I think, you know, we mentioned, I think there was a lot of other teams like Boston um, before they got Greg Monroe was mentioned as a possible destination. You know, there's going to be a team that's going to, you know, need somewhat of a big man just to fill some minutes, whether it's, you know, 15 to 20 a night. Um, fill out that roster nicely, have that little bit of depth in case, you know, one of your one of your two big guys goes down. Uh, but the Nets right now, in terms of, you know, the system, as you mentioned, it, the fit just doesn't work. You know, the his skill set just doesn't work into, in not today's NBA, somewhat today's NBA, but also specifically in, in the Nets system. Um, we've compared him to, in the past to guys like 
Enos Cantor, but Enos Cantor is, you know, an elite rebounder in today's NBA. Uh, Jalil just doesn't have that. You know, his feet and pace in today's NBA uh, is waning, and that's for sure. But um, hopefully, um, for his sake, that, um, you know, he can find a spot, whether it's at the Nets or, or another team going forward. Yeah, and it's nothing against him or anything like that. It's just the fit. <clears throat> so it's, yeah. you know, he could possibly work out, like you mentioned, a team like Boston that would maybe be able to hide him defensively or something along those lines because he does have talent. I also think some of it might be um, Ogafor needing to buy into being into a smaller role and, like, doing some of those energy small things, like I mentioned in the past, like you just said, the rebounding thing. You know, if you're an elite rebounder, you're going to get minutes on the floor, and most of the time rebounding is just energy. So if he's putting in the energy yeah. to be a great rebounder, he's going to find minutes. And I just don't know if he's buying into just, you know, filling up the stat sheet as much as just trying to be that Okafor franchise cornerstone piece that he wrote in that Player Tribune article. Yeah, it's, it's hard to – the mindset of, of, of many NBA players, is it's hard to read into. We, I mean, there was a piece on Carmelo Anthony on ESPN earlier in the week um, saying how, you know, he sort of went to the coach saying, okay, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to take this step down. But he still has that mentality of where he can sort of take over a game. I think, you know, you have to have that killer instinct in today's NBA. You have to have that sort of level of hubris to you where it's like, you know, I'm good enough to be the best player on the floor here. But I think Jaleel, you know, he needs to go back to sort of step one a little bit. You know, not necessarily Markel Foot step one, but maybe step two in sort of that regard where he goes, okay, so this is what I'm good at. This is what I was doing well. This is what was making me, you know, getting me checks. This is what um, got me some stats. This is what got me minutes. Okay, I was rebounding. I was putting up, you know, offensive buckets. I was getting extra possessions. When he was looking good for the Nets is when, you know, he was he was laying nice picks, you know, getting that energy in the pick and roll. He's a decent pick and roll player, rolling to the rim. You know, get some easy fouls, get some easy buckets. I think, you know, he's just figuring out. I think it's, you know, he's still got youth on his side. Um, he's still an absolute baby in terms of NBA experience. Um, I'm sure he'll find his role wherever that may be going forward. Yeah, I mean, the two things I think you could you really need to consider is, you know, either losing more weight and getting quicker because he does have a nice touch, like you said, around the rim. If he was a little bit more agile, like you saw a lot of times when the Nets ran pick and roll, they're almost waiting for Okafor to roll to the rim where Jared Allen's already in front of the rim ready for the oop. Or yeah. another thing would be to kind of solidify his defensive positioning. You don't have to be a super fast athlete to be a really great defender. Like Aaron Baines on Boston, a guy I'm not a big fan of, but defensively he's he's in good position a lot of the time. He's not super fast. He takes advantage of his size. You don't really see that from Okafor. So that's just things. He just has a lot of things where he could work on and become a better player. I don't know if the Nets are willing to wait on him, but who knows? Yeah, I mean – we look at Tyler Zeller and, and what he's sort of doing. His sort of fit with the Nets was great. You know, he was, you know, shooting the occasional three. He was great in the pick and roll. I think, you know, a Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, a lot of small things that, you know, a big man sort of needs to do these days if they're not a Chris Epps-Wazingas, if they're not a unicorn. And Jaleel Okafor, unfortunately, doesn't have that athleticism and skill set to sort of warrant the attention that he thinks he deserves. Um, I'm sure, you know, he can, if he can adjust his mindset, he has you know, elite capabilities. It's just where he sort of chooses to divert his his energies towards, whether it's the rebounding, like we mentioned, whether it's in the pick and roll, whether it's the defense. Um, I'm sure he'll find a place. Um, but I think, you know, the coaching is going to be a, a big step for him going forward as well because he's mentioned in the past that, you know, he's glad to have some good coaching in, in Brooklyn. Um, hopefully we can, if it's not, you know, with us going forward, we can leave him in good stead um, in whatever team that he plays with in the future. Exactly. But that wraps up for today. Thank you, Jack, for hopping on. As always, thank everybody for listening. You can catch the Brooklyn Buzz on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, and otgbasketball.com. Also, make sure you check out the other OTG podcasts like the NBA Outlet and the JBT Pod.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.